0: A miracle drug is revolutionizing the way that parents take care of their kids. And then we journey back into Jason's Vault. A big old repository of personal, creepy, weird stories that have happened to me. But instead of just looking at a single event, we're going to look at a single place. The city of Hood River. Nice little tourist town, but when the sun sets... It becomes darker than you could ever imagine. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Also, great news. You know, I make fun of a lot of nerds on this show. I'm always like, oh, science is for nerds. Geologists, just a bunch of laymos with rocks. that's true. I'm not taking any of that back. However, found out a couple days ago that the Russo brothers are now going to make a Magic the Gathering animated television series for Netflix. And I was like, yeah, all right, some MTG. Getting in there, getting in that pop culture. I played Magic the Gathering when it first came out, what, in like 93? Played it for a couple years, took two or three decades off, and got back into it when... Uh, I think it was right after, I think it was right before Instrad. I was running an infect deck. So I became super popular at the hobby shop. I had just moved up to Hood River here. Hey, this actually works because we'll talk about Hood River at the end of the episode. But when I moved to Hood River, I had no friends at all. So I was just looking for places to like meet like-minded people. <laughs> Instead of going to a bar like a normal adult, I'm like, I'm going to go to the hobby shop. Let's see what type of fun people are down there. And there actually were a lot of cool people down there. But went down there. Built an Infect Deck and became super unpopular. Because, if you don't know, Infect Deck is the cheapest, most maniacal deck. Oh, dude, and my Infect Deck is on point, too. It's it's like a round three win. Maybe round two, if I get the right cards. But anyway, so I'm looking forward to that cartoon. Not a big fan of cartoons, but I'm a big fan of Magic the Gathering. And I don't play as much now, because I really don't have time to do anything else. But, yeah, no. And then I eventually got into the theater. That's where I made a lot of my friends, too, so... Happy ending to that story, Jason has friends now, but let's go ahead and and get started here with our first story. I wonder what the theme song's gonna be like for Magic the Gathering animated show, I wonder if it's gonna be like a magic gathers every night, if it's gonna be like a hard rock one, or if it's gonna be like a dubstep, as they're showing like Jace spinning around, like stealing your cards, I don't know, I don't know, I'm very interested in this cartoon, it'll probably suck, but the Russo brothers are doing it, so, you know. Have a, kind of high hopes for it. I'm sure they're just executive producers. It, let's move on to the topic here. So I found this story recently, and I, I, it was one of those things that I read, and it kind of like got got under my skin, and I was like, Ugh. and then I was like, uh, maybe I'll cover it, maybe I won't. And then I went and I reread the article a couple of days later, and I said, this is really just uh, these people are insane. So I'm gonna cover it. This is totally nuts. So. There is this article written for The Guardian, which is a British newspaper. And I'll just read the headline to you because it's really just the best way to jump into this. It makes me enjoy playing with the kids. Is microdosing mushrooms going mainstream? So what this article does is it interviews a bunch of, a bunch of women, a bunch of housewives and working women. And they they take mushrooms, so they microdose mushrooms. So what it is is they're taking 0.1 gram of shroom and eating it, and then being like, "Oh my god, life is so awesome. My kids aren't like totally annoying me anymore. I see the beauty of life." And this article's like, "Listen, it just profiles woman. No men get profiled in this article, and I think there's a reason why. And we'll get to that in a second, but." The profile is this woman after woman after woman. And really, the undercurrent of the article is, shouldn't shrooms be legal? Because look at how much it's helped these women. A lot of the stories of the women go, yeah, I actually do a lot better at work now. And I enjoy being around my kids. They're usually like total little douchebags. But now I can like hold them and not want to, you know, drown them in a bathtub. And I love them. I love them so much. Hey, you don't have any more shrooms on you, do you? (laughs) And every reporter's like, no, I don't. And they're like, ah, you sure? You sure? They're, like, digging through the carpet. No, so they take... Apparently, they take 0.1 gram of shroom every two or three days. This is what's known as microdosing. You can't take it too much because then you get a tolerance for it. But it allows you to kind of experience things kind of trippy. And then and, and then other people are like, yeah I, yeah, I do the shrooms. I also do a little acid, a microdose acid. And the reporter just totally glosses over the fact that the drug has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do acid. Now... The article, basically, as it goes through, these women are saying, you know what, my life is so much better now that I'm taking drugs and interacting with my children and doing my job, but I face up to seven years in prison if the British police catch me with this mushroom kit. And is it really such a crime for me to ingest drugs and then interact with children? I don't think it is, world. I don't think it is. So... There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. It's kind of an interesting article, but the first thing is the people that they picked for it, I think is an interesting look at it, is that they picked all women. They picked all women. Like, so you have, when you're reading this article, you envision like this harried housewife or this single mom. They're all single, by the way. The one woman was actually married and then the mushrooms made her divorce her husband. Like, she's like, it gave me a clarity of thought that things just weren't working out. So I think if if you turn this article around and it was like single dads take shrooms every couple days, it, it would come across totally differently. Single dads trying to have fun with their kids or dropping acid. It, should it be legal people would be like, no, absolutely not. Single dads should not be doing any drugs around their kids. But when you craft a narrative around like this single mother trying to like have a corporate life and then raise three kids, it comes across as more sympathetic, which is a weird when you when you when you really kind of dig into the media. It's not a matter of being like, oh, fake news, fake news. Like sometimes when you just de- when you look into how a story is crafted, it's always kind of interesting to see the different emotional pull. Secondly, it's the same thing. What if this article was like, you know, single moms like to drink and drinking drinking like shooting back glasses of wine makes their kids so much more adorable. People would be like, that's horrible. That woman obviously has a drinking problem. She shouldn't be drinking around her kids. But when you frame it in this way of like, these women are kind of rebellious and this unknown substance, which has been heavily studied, but this unknown substance that you take and it makes everything feel groovy and cool. Again, it sets it differently in the minds of the readers. I'm one of those guys who, I I know they're talking about um, legalizing mushrooms in Colorado. I'm surprised they're not legal in Oregon. I've never done... A psychedelic, I have no interest in doing psychedelics. If you guys lived in my brain or listened to every episode of my podcast, I think you would go. That's one guy who probably shouldn't do psychedelics. Because his grasp on reality is already so slim. At any point, it can just slip through my fingers. The last thing I want to do is push that to the edge. So, if other people want to do psychedelics, that's cool. I just don't necessarily think it's something that we should make openly legal recreationally legal i don't know it could be part of some sort of religious ceremony or something like that because i just think it's one of those things that if you don't have a strong sense of self if you don't really know who you are introducing alien substances into you and that's a conspiracy theory we'll get to but introducing these substances into you can fracture that identity even more but Whatever. If it is recreational, if it is made illegal, I'm not going to go protesting in the streets about it. I don't think that... First off, I don't have kids, but I'm an, from my experience around kids and knowing lots of people with kids, being a parent isn't supposed to be super-duper fun. Like, it's supposed to suck. It's supposed to be a little bit of fun, but it's also supposed to suck. And if you have to do drugs so you can tolerate your kids, your kids are probably pieces of shit. Like, if you can't... If you can't... If your kids irritate you all the time, then imagine what they're doing to everyone else in the world. Now, I understand kids are going to get on your nerves some of the time. But if you're like, oh, I have to do drugs to tolerate, to have fun with my kids, then your kids are not good kids. And you have to do something about that. Because we all can't get on shrooms, too. It's just so bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing. And it's it's being touted like, hey, let's make this stuff legal so these women can keep getting keep getting high not them not the dudes we're not going to profile any dudes and we're not going to talk about any other drugs except mushrooms and kind of acid they just throw the acid in there halfway through the article because nobody wants that stuff i did watch a joe rogan podcast the other day when i was doing research for this and he said he knows a fighter an mma fighter who microdoses shrooms and when he fights he's high like he's on shrooms when he fights And Joe Rogan says he feels like he can see the punches coming before they come. He goes, he feels like it actually gives him an advantage. That's cool. I'm totally down for that. But again, it's that's different. You're not you're not doing MMA matches against kids. And actually, if you do too much shrooms, you might you might think the kids are like ninjas coming in your house and you got to take them down one by one. So I don't know. I just think it's such a ridiculous. I I think it's such a ridiculous trend. And I don't know how much it's trending, but the article definitely made it sound to be this good thing that mothers are getting high to be able to go about life. And also, they've done studies on this, and the studies go, it seems like a placebo. It seems like there's actually not enough shrooms to have any effect whatsoever. They think it's just placebo because they think it's a magical groovy thing, dude. I'm like taking my shrooms. Could you imagine this article? They're like, people microdose meth. People microdose cocaine. You're not going to see articles being like, dude, I got so much stuff done today because I microdosed some methamphetamines. Because I took crystal meth, but I only took 0.1 gram every 10 seconds. You're not going to see those articles. So I just thought it was an interesting article about culture and the way journalism is crafted. And just, I don't know, man, I would have a hard time, like... I would feel bad if it turns out that after I grew up, I was like, hey, mom, remember when you used to read me all those books? So she's like, oh, dude, I was so ripped. I'm like, what? She's like, oh, yeah, dude, I was tripping balls when I was reading you those books. I wasn't even reading those books. I forgot you existed. I was just reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I turned around, and then there was this little kid here, and she, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm a mom. And I'm like, what? Like, that would kind of hurt my feelings if my mom had to get high to hang out with me. But, anyways. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is a request in a roundabout way. Because I, the other day on YouTube, we had Charles Tucker. And he goes, hey, you got any more personal creepy stories? And I was like, well, of course. Of course. The question always is, is when to tell them. Because, you know, I always envision this show going on for years and years and years. And I think we've covered a lot of the big Conspiracy Iceberg stuff really, really early on in the show. When I only thought the show was going to last 50 episodes, I was, like, doing as much stuff as possible. And now I'm thinking, well, there's not a lot of really good Conspiracy Iceberg stuff. McKamey Manor is a snuff film. That was the last episode. That's actually on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. But it's the same thing with the personal stories. I don't want to blow through all of them in the first 250 episodes. And then when we're on episode, you know, 1050... Be like, ah, I don't have any more cool stories to tell. Because what's happened is they kind of have slowed down. Now, there's a lot of creepy stories that I have, though. I wouldn't say a lot. There's probably like eight or nine or something like that. If I sat down and really thought about it, I would probably come up with more. But the blue boy is a very popular story that I've told my friends. The story of the blue boy. The man with the knives is actually a story I haven't told many people about. There was one time, actually, there was witnesses for this one. There was a time I fought a witch. And it's funny because I totally forgot about fighting this witch. I told somebody about the story and we thought it was funny. And then, like, maybe two years later, I was talking to that friend and they're like, Yeah, remember that time you fought a witch? And I go, What? What are you talking about? She goes, remember you fought that witch? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she told me the story, and then I started laughing so hard. I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot about that. I fought a witch. Because my life is so weird that sometimes the stuff, stuff like that, I just totally forgot. Because I was like, oh yeah, there's this other craziness. One time I fought a witch. The portal. The portal in the hotel. That's always an interesting story. It's fairly short. Giant Jesus. Giant Jesus I think I've talked about in passing on the show, but I'll do, an, I'll do a segment on the giant Jesus coming up. But those are all stories for another time. Those are all stories for another episode. What I want to talk about right now is the city of Hood River. And that's where I live, Hood River, Oregon. Now, I moved here. I moved up and down California my entire life. My dad was a minister. We traveled all the time. We grew up on college campuses while my dad was going to school. Ended up in Sacramento as an adult. And was there until I was about thirty-four, thirty-five, somewhere around there. Moved up to Hood River. There's a street in Hood River called Wasco Street. And it basically cuts through the entire bottom half of the town. There's basically, you have Hood River proper, like downtown. You have State Street that goes from that all the way through. There's only like 10,000 people in town. Very small town. There's a state street that goes all the way through from one point of the city all the way to the other end of the city and like out onto the freeway. There's Wasco Street, which is the same thing. It's just um, farther down into town. If you can imagine towns broken up into three portions, this would be the bottom portion. Takes you by like the brewery district. Takes you by like the industrial stuff. And then we have the Heights, which is up a giant hill. You have a hospital and you have tons of residential stuff. And that's where you have like 10 different Mexican restaurants and grocery stores and stuff like that. So that's kind of how the city is divided up. Now, Wasco Street is probably the most isolated of all the streets. It's that, that uh, Wasco Street, you can be walking down at 8 p.m. and not see anybody, even though there's houses everywhere. Such a weird town. Now, I used to live on Wasco Street. I used to have to walk down Wasco Street all the time. And I hated it absolutely hated it. It always felt off. So these are we're going to tell these stories in sequence because I think that it builds up to something. In the first couple, you're going to be like, Jason, you're just an idiot, but stay with me here. It was four in the morning. I leave my house on Wasco Street. I have my headphones on because I always got to listen to my music. And it's so dark. If it wasn't for the streetlights, it would be pitch black. There is no moon present this night. And I'm walking by this car. And so the car is like facing downhill and I'm walking uphill. And when I get to where the trunk of the car would be, so you imagine the car's on the side of the road and I'm walking past it. I'm walking in the street. Very rarely walk on sidewalks. I like to have a little more maneuverability room. So not super safe, but anyway, so I'm walking by the car. And right when I get to where the trunk is, I feel wind on my face. Like, so now I have my headphones on. I'm listening to music, and it, I felt a. And as, I mean, it was like someone just blew a big gust of air right into the side of my face. And as I'm turning my head to the left to see, because I'm passing the car on the left, as I'm turning my head to the left to see what it is, I see these two massive, I wouldn't even say two, I would say I saw at least one massive wing come into the field of my view and just go and something shoots up off the top of the car. And I I see that wing you know how like it was furling in to get like some thrust and kind of pick itself up off the air? That wing had to have the wingspan of me. It felt like it had a good three, four foot wingspan. And I didn't see it. It was too dark. I looked up, I couldn't see anything. I felt it and saw that wing while I was still illuminated by the light, the street light, and it just took off out of the air. And what I so this is what I think it was. I think, and I've never seen anything this big, but the logical answer is it's some sort of giant owl was sitting on this car for whatever reason. And when I walked by it, I scared it as much as it scared me. And it unfurled its wing. And it was so close to me that when it flapped its wings, it me, I was able to feel the force of the air hit my head. And it terrified me. And I go, well, Jason, again, you're a city boy. It was probably just a giant owl hanging out on the top of a, you know, Chevy sedan or something. So easily dismissed. Probably. I'm sure owls can get that big. One day I'm walking down State Street. Again, that's kind of the other major thoroughfare. It's 5 in the morning. And there is a little, like, stoplight. There's basically one stoplight in town. So you cross the street from the stoplight. There's a little restaurant called Egg River. And they're pretty good, but they're really expensive. And then you go past Egg River. And then there's basically two hotels or an apartment complex. Hotel, apartment complex. That's where we have a lot of uh, places, a lot of residential places. And there's always cars lined up along that road. Because people, there's not a lot of parking in the river. So there's always cars pretty much lined up along this road. And I'm walking, it's like four or five in the morning. And I I always have this thing like whenever someone's walking towards me, I like to be out in the street. I don't want to be walking on the sidewalk with someone else at five in the morning because I have no reaction time. I don't know what they're going to do. I'd rather kind of walk and walk alongside the cars as they're walking on the sidewalk. But anyway, so I'm always just kind of looking for movement down the road. And I got my headphones on and listened to music. And I this is what's so weird about the story is that I can't remember seeing it begin. It's like I either must have been looking at something else and then turned my head, or it simply blinked into existence. I think what's most likely is, I think what's most likely is I was looking at something else and I turned my head to look back in front of me. Because what I see in front of me, maybe 25 feet away... And again, this is like 4 in the morning. I see something that is about 4 or 5 feet high. Just the back of it, I see these two long back legs. And right when I look at it, the back legs walk behind a car. That I have to pass. So there's a car that I'm walking down the street. It's I'm walking on the sidewalk. There's a car farther up. And I see something walk. now. I know that's a vague description because that's all that I saw. But basically what it looked like, it was a four-legged creature. And I saw the hindquarters move. I didn't see what the front of it looked like. And you're thinking, Jason, that maybe that was some big old dog. Here, This is what creeped me out. One, it had no hair whatsoever. At all. It was, if it had hair, it had the worst mange possible. Because it was just basically cadaver white skin. That wasn't super tight to the body. It was almost just kind of lumpy. It had really long back legs. And the creepiest part was it actually walked and looked like a man would if he tried walking on all fours. You know how when people try to walk on all fours, our legs are longer than our arms, obviously. So they do like that weird... It looked like someone was bent in such a position they were walking on their hands and feet... So their butt was sticking way up in the air and they were walking with their hands and they were walking behind this car. Now obviously that to me is far more disturbing if it was some old naked man walking on his hands and feet hunched over like that walking behind a car that I have to walk past. That's far more disturbing than a ghost because this is some real thing I'm going to have to deal with or even like a dog or a wolf because I can take on a dog, maybe a wolf. I'll tell the dog story someday, but it unsettled me. But what was weird is there was this weird moment where I didn't panic, where I was like, what in the world was that? And I actually then step off the sidewalk to see if I could watch it walk across the road to see what it was. And it didn't walk out from behind the the car. So now I'm like, now whatever it is, is behind that car that I have to walk past. So I then kind of am walking across the road and and trying to, like, look at the back of the car as I'm, like, moving. So I'm, like, moving in almost a semicircle motion to get to the other side of the street and at the same time keep an eye on whatever that was. Nothing was there. There was nothing behind that car. Whatever it was couldn't have fit under the car where I wouldn't have noticed it. The hair looked like a pale naked mole rat hair. That's what it looked like. But it was, again, its butt was about up to the size of my belly button. So if it, when I said it was about three feet high, that was the part I could see. If it stood up, it would have easily have been my height or taller. It was skinny with really long skinny legs and the the skin kind of held like folded up. Like hung in folds, I guess is the way I should say it. Pale white. Nothing was there when I walked around. Now, obviously, I go, I must have been imagining that or that must have been a hallucination or something like that. Must have not seen that right. Maybe a week or two later, I walked down State Street. Uh, The Walmart used to be open 24 hours a day. I was going to do some shopping, buy some stuff for the day where I probably had nothing planned. I was probably just buying chili beans and rice and all of that stuff sit at home, watch YouTube, and pretend I was an author, like I used to do for years. I'm walking. Basically, State Street and Wasco Street eventually collide. And then there's a staircase that takes you down. There's hills everywhere. So there you they, they, Wasco Street and State Street collide. And then there's the Walmart. And I get to the Walmart. and I start to walk down the stairs now because everything's kind of a series of hills. A lot of times you don't have straight shot vision, which is another thing I'm not used to. In Sacramento, you could basically look from one end of Sacramento to the other until your vision didn't work anymore. It was completely flat. But here, you you don't know what's coming up. I'm walking down State Street. I'm turning to where it collides with Wasco. I get to the top of the staircase that will take me down to Walmart. And now I have a straight shot because basically Walmart is the... You know what a Walmart is. It's just a giant box building. And it basically sits 10 feet from a freeway... So, I'm at the top of the stairs, and I can see everything from the freeway to the stairs where I'm at. And what I see come out of the darkness near the freeway is a giant, I would say, again, maybe three, four feet high, white quadruped run full speed from the freeway towards the stairs. It wasn't a dog. It wasn't a coyote. It wasn't anything, I couldn't even tell you what the head looked like. It it was fairly triangular, which originally as I'm watching it run, it felt like it was some sort of canine. But its behavior was what was kind of making me think that's not what it was. It did kind of have like a snout-like face, but it was charging me. From a good 100 yards away. And it was fast. And the way, this is so bizarre. And the way I'm positioned is that I'm approaching the top of the stairs. And I can see this thing run full speed along the front of Walmart headed towards the stairs. But I'm still approaching the stairs. I don't get to see the staircase myself. Now I immediately gird myself for some sort of attack. Like, I'm like, whatever this is, I can't outrun it. And I remember, again, a very calm sense as this was going on. I remember thinking, I can't stop this. And it reaches, it, it reaches the bottom of the stairs, which is out of my view, because I'm still kind of walking towards the stairs. So I'm watching it run and run and run, and I see it fall out of my field of view. So now I know it's right at the bottom of the stairs. And I'm waiting for it to run up those stairs completely disappeared nothing was there at all never saw that thing again i remember when i first moved up here i was on 4chan and someone happened to post hey does anyone know whatever happened to that story about that black dog i think it was in some town called hood river in oregon and it was and it was someone just posted it on a creepypasta thing on 4chan no one ever responded to that and i looked valiantly for more information about this creature and couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything at all. I was wondered if, if uh, how that came about. But there definitely was this white creature running around Hood River. Couldn't really understand what that was. So that was the only two sightings of that thing. But for me, that was enough. For me, that was enough. Because whatever it was, it didn't have a problem getting close to people. Definitely didn't get, have a problem getting close to me. But I have one more place to talk about. This episode might run a little long. Sometimes these personal episodes do run a little long. This isn't a cryptid as much as it is a place. And it's so funny because the name itself is so ridiculous it almost precludes it from being scary. But it's a place in Hood River that is known, by me at least, I've tried spreading the legend, it catches on here and there, the Haunted Frisbee Golf Course. The Haunted Frisbee Golf Course is this. Well, it's kind of what it says. There's a frisbee golf course that's haunted, and it's on Wasco Street. Now, again, Wasco Street is easily the most unsettling stretch of land in Hood River. Across the, from it, there's a skate park where there's. Oh, I always keep wanting to go off on these segways, and the episode's already running too long. I, okay, I'll do this one. When I first moved up here, I was a much heavier. I was walking down Wasco Street, and I had bought Subway. And I'm walking down Subway Street. Not Subway Street. I'm walking down the street by the skate park and I'm carrying my Subway. I'm this big guy. I was wearing glasses. And some 12-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, whatever, goes, hey, look, it's Jared from Subway. And I I I was shocked. I was shocked. Because where I came from, you would get your brains blown out. You would. When I grew up, if you yelled out something to a random stranger, you wanted to get in a fist fight, and or you were, you were stupid and your brains just got scattered everywhere. I was floored that some kid would yell because I'm thinking this guy doesn't know who I am. Like you would never do that in Sacramento unless you were looking for a fight. And I knew in Hood River, people are just like, again, it's just like this super, it's just a weird town. Up here, you get in a fistfight, cops show up. I'm like, what? Seriously? Like, the co- it's in the newspaper, fistfight breaks out downtown. I'm like, seriously? This town's weird. But anyways, that can't, I was like, I can't believe anyone would say that to a random stranger. If he doesn't know who I am. Sacramento, you would never do that. If you did that, that's you were looking for a fistfight, or like I said, you were an idiot. But anyways, I just kept walking because I was like, you can't beat the shit out of this kid because I'm in Hood River. Sacramento might be a different story. So the Frisbee golf course is right across the street from the skate park. And it is basically just a ton of trees. And there's a couple little poles set there and you can throw your Frisbee and go like hole in one, guys. Yay. Ultimate Frisbee. Let's do this. It's It's the poor man's version of golf. And the lame man's version of every other sport ever invented. Frisbee golf. So, Frisbee golf course. Now, I had, had to walk past the Frisbee golf course all the time. Because I lived on Wasco Street. And I didn't really think anything of it. But when I was walking by it after, again, 10 p.m. to like 4, 4 a.m. I've been to like places where... I've been to like flop houses. I've been to places where junkies hang out. I've been to crime scenes. I've seen body parts. I've been to some pretty messed up places. No place has ever filled me with such despair as walking past that Frisbee golf course. Utter hopelessness for half a block. It is the most terrifying walk I've ever done. And I used to have to do it all the time. I worked late, started early. Had to walk by this stretch. It was so unnerving to me. That it actually. Like I would. I didn't even want to think about walking by it. And to walk past it. I had to go up this super steep hill. So it was this question of. Do I want to walk up this hill. And like blow my knees out. Because again I was much heavier back then. Or do I want to face my worst fears. When you walk down that half a block. It's like you are in, you know, the, the true definition of hell isn't the flames and the burning, but it's just separation from God. That's what that street feels like to me. There's one street light that if you're lucky works, somehow the light doesn't even illuminate the whole area. You're walking through pretty much pitch darkness and you feel separated. I remember once I was walking through, uh, I was I was walking through this street. And I remember thinking, if that light blows out, if that light gave out right now, I would assume that God was punishing me for something. I felt soulless when I was there. And I was in a state of panic every single time. And you're thinking, Jason, you're just a pussy. But see, here's the thing. This is one of the theories I came up with. You know when you go to church, or when you go to a special place, you go to a meadow that you really love, or there's a particular classroom you enjoy, or something like that. But I think the church is the best example. When you go to church, and the singing's going on, and the praising is going on, and stuff like that, you actually feel your spirit start to get lifted up. Like, oh, this place it makes me feel good. Now, they've always, there's always been that idea, that belief, and I, I'm sure it's true to some extent, but when the... Catholics, when basically the European Christianity movement was taking over, they were destroying pagan temples, places where the pagans hung out, and building churches right on top of them. And part of the logic is that way the pagans would know where to go. They're basically having their whole culture co-opted. But the other thing is that maybe that place, for whatever reason, has some sort of spiritual energy And the Christians moving into the area go, this place is perfect to put a church. This place has all this positive energy from all these years of the pagans doing this stuff. It just has has all this positive energy. Let's build a church here. If, If you accept that there are places on the planet that can harness and store powerful energy, or you just accept that when you go to a place that is holy to you, you can feel the spirit inside of you, there's an inverse to that. There are places that are dark and dreary and charged with negative energy. And if you want to be around that negative energy, you will go to that place like it was a church. You will go there to refill your your stores of negative energy. This Frisbee golf course a lot of times has like RVs parked outside of it. It's not really patrolled by police that much. And that always terrified me as well. It has straight access to the freeway. It's maybe a five minute drive you can get on the freeway. You can do any sort of creepy nonsense weirdo stuff you want there and be gone on the freeway within five minutes. But I always thought that was weird. I'd walk by these RV campers and I'm thinking the logical part of me is saying they're here because the police don't patrol this area much. But then the other thing is like, if you were a negative person, this is where you'd want to hang out. The Frisbee golf course itself, you go there day or night. Now, this has been my experience every single time. But if you go there day or night, it's completely quiet. It's next to a neighborhood. So you'll maybe hear like a dog barking down the street. No bugs. No birds, no squirrels, no nothing. The place, there's something wrong with it. We do have a lot of homeless people in Hood River, not like compared to like LA, which is like 65,000 or something. Maybe it's not that high, but we have maybe like 100, 200 homeless people in town. They don't camp there. I'll see them camping in other places. They don't camp in there. Because I've gone through with groups of friends in there at night. We never ran into a homeless person. Ghost hunting. Never saw anything with them. Brought in cameras. Never saw anything. But there is something off about that area. So you have the Frisbee Golf Course itself. That whole area just seems really off. It doesn't really help that there's a memorial to a dead teen in the skate park next to it. So you have the skate park, the road, and then the Frisbee Golf Course. Right before I moved up here, some young kid named Forrest was, was skateboarding down Wasco Street. And a car slammed into him. And then they built like a memorial for him. So when you're walking by there at 4 in the morning, that doesn't make you feel any better. You got that memorial... On one side of you. Frisbee golf course on the other side of you. To top this story off. They're tearing down the Frisbee golf course. They're building some apartments there. And if that set of apartments is not haunted. I'll eat your hat. You ha- pick out a hat and I'll eat it. But only one of you. And it has to be a tasty hat. It has to be made out of pizza. So we have all of these stories. Stories of cryptids that I've seen. One of them was probably just a giant owl. The other one was that white beast. You just have the haunted little section of Wasco Street. That kind of perfectly sums up how creepy this town is overall. Now, like I said in the beginning, I've seen tons of things in my life. Tons of ghosts, and demons, and creatures, and things you just can't explain. But it wasn't until I moved to Hood River that i saw something that i didn't think i'd ever see i saw something that while i knew was real thought i would never see one it wasn't until i moved to hood river and was living on wasco street that i saw an angel but that's a story for another episode deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day. guys.